He who walks with the wise will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we praise you, Father. Thank you so much for the joy of this church. Uh, Father, thank you for, again, three individuals stepping up with courage and with faith to be baptized today. Uh, Father, if there are others that... uh, if there's others that feel you leading them in that direction, Father, I, I just ask that the Holy Spirit take them over. Uh, Father, being baptized is, is a sign of obedience to you. And um, showing our proclamation of faith should be the easiest thing we do on our Christian walk. Uh, so, Father, again, for those that maybe you're tugging at their heartstrings, I just ask that you grab a hold of them. Father, don't let them go. Make sure that they understand that this is something, again, that, that you command, that, that you ask of us as disciples. Uh, Father, I thank you so much. We've had new life in this church, um, birthdays. Uh, Father, just one of the things, again, that I just love about this church is the joy that you continue to pour into it, uh, the joy and the love from these people. Um, Father, I just ask again that you pour that on them. They take it into their families, that they don't just leave it here, Father. They take it home with them. They take it in the community, their jobs. That's our job. That's what we're supposed to do as your disciples. So, Father, give us the courage to do so, and then your discernment. Uh, to do it. Father, today you have given me a message. Um, The sermon that you've given me, I I need this church to understand that, um, and I know I say this a lot, but Father, I need them to to grasp this. I'm I'm not trying to step on their toes. I'm aiming at their heart. Father, I ask that you grab a hold of those today that feel convicted by this message, myself included, and that you change our hearts and you get us on the right path. Father, in this moment, I'm asking that you anoint me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Father, I need your help. I need you to take away all distractions. Anything that the evil one is trying to throw at me, Father, I need you to block it. And I need you to replace it with your boldness today for this message, and most importantly, your love. Ask these things in your name. Help us to love, laugh, and forgive. Amen. Somebody answered their phone. (laughs) If that's Jesus, let me know. He may have something else I need to preach on today. So, there was a uh, contractor job that was going on. They were building this skyscraper, and there were young men, there were old men. And one of the young guys, he was about six foot four, full of muscle. We'll call him Big John. Anybody remember that song, Big John? These young kids are like, what? So, we'll say Big John, right? So, Big John, he's young. He's 25, 26. He's a cocky guy, you know. He's walking around talking about how big he is, how strong he is, and he's telling everybody, like, I can outwork all of y'all. Like, y'all ain't got a chance to outwork me. And this little old guy, he's, he's, he's 70 years old. He's getting ready to retire. He didn't like that this young guy was so dang cocky. So he went up to him, and he said, you know, son, so I'll tell you what. He said, I bet you that I can beat you in, in, in that competition. And he was like, what do you mean? He was like, I, I bet you that... I can outwork you. I guarantee you that I can put something in this wheelbarrow and I can take it all the way over here 100 yards away and you won't be able to put it, carry it back in that wheelbarrow. 
And the young man looks at him for a second. He's like, oh, man, you got it, man. I'll, I'll bet you on that. He said, okay, jump in the wheelbarrow. Some of y'all didn't get that. Just give it a minute. You'll get there. We should always seek wisdom from those who lived before us, right, guys? For the last four weeks, we have been on a journey. Uh, we have gone way back into the Old Testament to learn lessons from some of the greatest heroes in the Bible. This week, we will continue this sermon series that we've had going on in, entitled Lessons from the Past. Uh, during this series, we have learned from the stories of Nehemiah, Noah, Job, King Asa, Mordecai, and Esther last week. Uh, today we're going to talk about a man who other great heroes of the Old Testament in the Bible admired, and even in the New Testament, even today they admire this man, they look up to this man. We spoke about this man's defeats a few weeks back, but I assure you he had a lot more wins than he did losses. In fact, this man is mentioned over 300 times in the Bible. He is also credited for writing three books in the Old Testament. Today, we're going to talk about Solomon. I want to give you a background on Solomon. He was, uh, this was King David's second son, but it was the first with Bathsheba, okay? Um, he reigned as king for 40 years from 968 B.C. to 928 B.C. He was very tall. He was very good-looking. Women adored him. And he adored women. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That is mistresses and girlfriends. A thousand women. <laughs> and they say he was the wisest man in the Old Testament, right? And I made fun of him a few weeks ago because I said, how can he be the wisest man in the Old Testament if he's got a thousand women in his lives? Well, guys, I need you to think about this. Not one time does it say they were upset or mad at him about anything. So to be able to make a thousand women happy, he was the wisest man in the Old Testament. I live with four, I can't keep them happy, okay? No matter what I do. He also, good point, yes. He also was the, uh, he built the first temple in Jerusalem as well. That's one of the main things that he's known for uh, in his reign. And like I said earlier, he wrote these three books in the Old Testament, which was Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs. Today, I'm going to be teaching the entire sermon from two verses in one of these books. I want you to get your Bibles out if you don't already have them out and turn to Proverbs. We're going to go to chapter 3. Just stay right there. I'm going to give you a few seconds to get your Bibles open if you closed them. Don't close your Bibles at church. What's the matter with y'all? The book of Proverbs is known as the book of wisdom. Basically, Solomon took all his wisdom and compiled it into 31 chapters. That's one for each day of a 31-day month, correct? In fact, I challenge all of y'all, August that's coming up, there's 31 days in August, read a chapter a day. It's short, guys. It, it, it won't take long. But I, I tell you, I always try to challenge people to read the book of Proverbs. And obviously, if you read it in a month where there's 31 days, you'll get it knocked out quickly. Uh, me and you have access to all this wisdom uh, and the kings after Solomon, they had access to this wisdom as well. In fact, history tells us that kings would study this book in preparation before they became king. Today, we're going to study again on two verses. We're going to go to those right now. It's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart 
and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. One of my favorite two verses in the Bible. What Solomon is telling us here is simple, guys. He's telling us that if we will do three things, God will do the fourth. I want you to write these down, these three things. We're going to go through one of these. Y'all write these down as we go. The first thing is priorities. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. You've got to get your priorities straight. You've got to trust in the Lord. If you trust God, that means you know God. If you know and trust him, everything else will line up for you. Jesus said something similar to this in the book of Matthew, guys. Uh, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Here's the point that Solomon and Jesus are both trying to make, and I need y'all to grasp this right off the bat in this sermon. The focus of your first will determine everything else. The focus of your first will determine everything after that. My question to you today is, what is the first thing you do each and every day? What's the first thing you do? Is it scrolling through social media? Is it checking your emails, turning on the news, making a cup of coffee? What is your first priority when you wake up? It should be God. It should be your very first priority. Think about it, guys. I mean, when we come to church each and every week, we come on what day? Thank you. Today is Sunday. Sunday is the first day of the week. We are starting our week out with God. That's setting up the rest of the week to be a success for you. The thing is, guys, we should do the same thing each and every day. We should start our day out with God, just like we start our week out with God in the church. I truly believe it matters that each and every day we get up and put God first. We need to get up in the morning and spend time with him. This could be prayer, reading your Bible, worship, whatever it may be. But guys, what you do first will show where your trust lies. There's nothing more important than your father. And I know a lot of times, I said earlier, you know, you're scrolling through social media, what is it that you're doing? But I want you to really, I want that to hit home to y'all tomorrow morning when you wake up. Because I'm sure there's people in this room, the first thing you don't do is you don't go to God first. Guys, he does a let me put you this, this is how I always think about it. Think of everything he's done for us. The least we can do is say good morning. Amen. Amen. Good morning and I love you. Thank you for the breath that you've given me for another day. I mean, that's the least we can do. Where we prioritize him matters to him, guys. So priorities is your first step. Number two, the second thing that we get from this verse is humility. And do not lean on your own understanding. Think about the culture that we live in today guys humility is not popular think about the political landscape that we live in today I don't care if you're left or right or blue or red I don't care what you are but I need you to grasp this and I'm sure you see it it's pretty obvious but the majority of our leaders today are not leading with humility they're leading with pride if we're honest this is hard for us too I wish everyone thought like I think, right? Like, I mean, I'm not the only one that's thought that before. I hope I'm not. I wish everyone would lead like I lead. 
And here's the one everybody knows. I wish everybody would drive like I drive. A bunch of crazy driver. I'm the best driver on the road, okay? Just follow my direction. <laughs> uh, you know, if a while back, <laughs> this is funny. Uh, we were here at the church. This, this has been over a year ago. We, we got some new furniture, and one was a rocking chair that's back there in the nursery right now. And uh, Amanda asked me, she was like, can you come up and put these two rocking chairs together? I was like, yeah, I can put them rocking chairs together. So I, so I show up, I look at the box, I see the rocking chair, you know, open the box, and, you know, there's these things called instructions in there. I don't need those instructions. I mean, I'm looking at the picture of it right there. That's what it needs to look like, so that's what I'm going to do. So I start putting this thing together, and Amanda comes in there, and she's like, you know, when I sit in it, I, I don't want it to fall apart. <laughs> Guys, it's hard, and, and it takes humility to follow instructions, especially for us men, right? Ladies, Amen. These men, are, these men are not happy with me. It's hard to follow instructions. But the thing is, is God gives us the instructions for everything we need. It's not hard to follow his instructions. It's really not. I mean, once you start to look at it and you start to realize, man, if I follow these instructions, I'm going to have a lot more peaceful life. Following God's instructions takes humility. James 4.10 tells us, humble yourself before God and he will exalt you. But if we lean on our own understanding, like it says here, that is pride, guys. In Proverbs 16.28, pride is the beginning of all destruction. If we lean on our own understanding, we're saying that we are smarter than God. If we lean on our own understanding, we're trying to play God instead of trusting God. I want you to take a moment. I want you to think about the worst decision you've ever made. I want you to put that in your mind. The decision that maybe it hurt others, maybe it hurt you, maybe it made you go bankrupt, maybe you lost a husband or a wife out of the deal, maybe your family won't have anything to do with you anymore. Whatever that worst decision you ever made, I, I want you to place that in your mind. And then I need you to catch this. I promise you, when you made that decision, you leaned on your own understanding. I know I did. The bad decisions I've made in my life and in my past, I thought I was, I, I, I was playing God. I thought I was the smart one. I thought I knew everything I needed to know to make decisions. Guys, it doesn't matter how smart you are. The wisdom of God trumps all. Seek it. If you lean on your own understanding, I need you to understand that only heartbreak comes after that. Let's look at the third thing. Third thing is submission. In all your ways, acknowledge him. I didn't put this in bold, but that second word, all. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Not just Sunday. Y'all feel me? 
not just Sunday, acknowledge him. You know, that's the thing, man. We can walk in this church. We can look pretty. We can put some cool clothes on and, you know, dress up nice or, you know, wear a cool CW shirt. You know, you can do that. You come to church and you can be all in for God on Sunday. And, you know, the thing is, that spiritual high usually carries over for the rest of the day. You know, I mean, we've always talked about this in church, but how many times you show up to church, you know, and Satan's attacked you all the way there, your wife's screaming at you in the car, kids are going nuts, throwing stuff all over the place, so forth, so on. You get to church, you don't even feel like coming to church at that point in time, but then you get in here and you get the worship going and, and then you get a pastor that preaches an excellent sermon. And then, <laughs> so you walk out of here with a spiritual high, right? You, <laughs> oh... That's messed up, man. <laughs> Thank you, though. <laughs> so, so that's, I got lost with my train of thought. So that's spiritual high, right? That carries over Sunday. You might have a little bit on Monday, but man, come Tuesday, the world then slapped you in the face. Are you acknowledging him the rest of the week? We can come in here and play Christian, guys. But what are you doing outside of these four walls? Right. Got to be stepping up. Got to be submissive. Acknowledge him in all your ways. Let me tell you what this verse doesn't mean. This doesn't mean you just tip your hat to God. Guys, we live in the Bible belt of the South, right? Right? I mean, listen, we got country music that acknowledges God. We got clothes that acknowledge God. We got, you know, fish stickers on the back of our car, CW stickers on the back of our cars that acknowledge God. We, we have that. We do a great job. I mean, we really acknowledge the Lord in the Bible Belt South. And I bet if we polled everyone in our community, the vast majority would say they know God. And I even bet you that a lot of them would say that they attend a church somewhere. If we polled the vast, I guarantee you, the vast, the vast amount of them would say, yes, I'm involved in a church, I do know God, but acknowledging him is all they do. The word acknowledge translates into to know intimately. And I promise you, there's a major difference between acknowledging God and knowing God intimately. Major difference. You know how you can tell the difference between the two? Acknowledging him and then knowing him intimately. Do you know how you can tell the difference? By the way you live your life. By the way you walk outside of these four walls of the church. Everything you do reflects your relationship with God. When you go to work, you need to reflect God's school, how you treat others, how you treat your family. How you react to, to bad, and tough situations that come up. And how you present yourself. And if you're walking around with your head down all the time, you're not, you're not presenting God the right way. Listen, God made us to be humble but he also made us to be bold at times. He made us to be proud of what we believe in. 
Don't hang your hat on that. Don't walk around and sulk. Lift your head up and let people know who's leading your life. They need to see that in your walk. We don't have enough Christians doing that. I hate to say it, guys, but we have people. I have no doubt that we have some people in this church that just acknowledge God. It's obvious to me who's truly submitting to God and who's just playing Christian. But more important, it's not about that I know who it is, it's God knows who it is. It's easy to see who's putting on a front in public. But behind the scenes, are they really truly living that Christian life? There's a lady got in a car wreck just about 20 years ago. She was changing lanes. Somebody pulled out in front of her. They didn't see her. Lady gets out of the car. Nobody's hurt, by the way. This is not a sad story. Nobody's hurt. But this lady gets out of the car. And she walks up to this young man who wasn't paying attention and hit her. And she gets to chewing his rear out. I'm talking about chewing him out. When it's all done, she goes home. One of her family members looked at her and she was telling him, they're telling this, you know, this person said, you know, I chewed this guy out. He ran out in front of me. I gave him a piece of my mind. And they said, look at the shirt you got on. It was hands holding Jesus. You know, I think about this all the time when I'm driving through traffic in Dallas on I-35. Or LBJ. LBJ is the worst. That's the worst. You know, and, and you're sitting there bumper to bumper traffic, and you got this goober. Like, you ain't going nowhere. Like, I don't understand why they get so frustrated, but you got this goober behind you that's trying to bob in and out of everybody. You know, y'all know who I'm talking about, right? Somebody like that. Well, see, one time I was in Dallas, and that was going on, and, and, and I saw this dude in my rear view mirror, and he's bobbing in and out, and I'm like, I ain't letting him in. I'm going to stay on my ground. It's time to be bold, okay? I just, I just kept, I was riding that car in front of me like this, like I wasn't going to let him in. Well, the dang car in front of me let, me, let him in. And anyway, I wasn't happy. It, and, and then somebody else kind of cut him off. Next thing I know, I see him give them a gesture out his window. He wasn't, he wasn't pointing to God. So I was like, you know, you know I, I thought for a second, I was like, you know, I just, I just want to talk to this guy. And so I got a little closer I don't know if y'all, do, do y'all think that pastors act perfect in traffic jams? I'm just curious. Yeah. No. So I told y'all earlier, I want everybody to drive like I drive. So anyway, I'm getting closer to this dude, and I realize this guy got a, a Jesus fish on the back of his car. So then I felt like it was my pastoral duty <laughs> to point out to this guy that the gesture he made was not Christian-like. Okay. 
So I finally get behind this dude, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I can't wait. Like, I'm, I'm going to get this dude. I'm going to get him. And another thing, I just need y'all to know, I looked. He was a little bitty guy. just want y'all to know, if he was a big dude, I wouldn't have done this. Because <laughs> even though I'm spiritual, I'm not stupid, okay? <laughs> so anyway, I get up to this guy, and, and, and I'm rolling down my window. I'm like, roll down your window. He just kind of looked at me funny. I was like, no, roll down your window. He didn't roll down his window. I was just letting y'all know. I just wanted to get to that point of the story. But your pastor was not real happy about it. But, but what I'm getting at, guys, is how many times do we put on that Jesus fish? That CW t-shirt. And we walk outside of these four walls and we don't think about, are we actually acknowledging him? Bocho was telling me a story the other day. Something similar happened to him. He told me, he was like, man, I wanted to go irate, but I saw that CW sticker on the back of my truck. <laughs> Guys, all kidding aside, don't just act like a Christian in these four walls. Live like a Christian outside of them. You never know who's watching. You never know the lives that you might touch. Let's review these three things. And remember, if we do these three things, we're going to get into the fourth one that God will do for us. Make God priority. Humble ourselves to God and submit to God. So if you'll do these three things, that's what these two verses are telling us, that God will do the fourth. Let's look and see what God promises if we do these three things. He'll give you direction. He'll make your paths straight. Who in here wants a straight path? Amen. Who in here wants getting back on the right path? There's a lot of times, guys, you can look at me and say, you're a pastor. Listen, I get off path sometimes. I don't mind saying that. And anybody in here that says they don't, it's a liar. Yeah. Right. Who in here needs some direction? Guys, do you know what it's called to be on a journey, but you have no direction to get to the final destination? It's called being lost. I don't want to show our hands, but how many people in this room feel lost today? How many people in this room fell off, off the path? How many of you are wandering in the wilderness? How many of you can't seem to find that straight path? Guys, if that's you, Solomon's telling you right here in these two verses how you can be found. If you're lost, you can be found. If you're going somewhere... Man, I'm on vehicles today. I'm like in the, I'm, I'm talking about all these cars and stuff. Anyway, if you're traveling, like me in Dallas, guys, I don't know about y'all, but I'm very, very spoiled with, with GPS systems. Man, y'all remember back in the day when you had MapQuest? Y'all remember that? You're trying to drive and hold up the sheet at the same time. And guys, if, you, if you're following a GPS, you know, it tells you where to go, right? What's it do when you take a wrong turn? Recalculating. Guys, 
when you take the wrong path and you go in the wrong direction, all you got to do is acknowledge him and he'll get you recalculated. Y'all feel me? Don't quit. Don't think, well, I'm so far off the path, I can't get back there. I see it all the time. It breaks my heart when I see people that start to come to this church. I've seen it at this church. They come in here and they start to change their life and their family changes and everything starts going in the right direction. They make one bad mistake and we ain't seen them since. And I've called them and I've begged them. Don't let that one bad decision get you completely off, your right, off that path. Acknowledge him. Go back to him. Humble yourself. He'll literally pick you up and place you right back where you're supposed to be. Do not let a bad decision, Christian warriors, do not let a bad decision mess up your future. Take you off track. All that is, I need you to grab this, that's not even you. That's not you. You made the decision, you screwed up, but it's not you that's the evil one. It's not you. Just lean back on God, and he'll get you back on the right track. And I'll tell you something else. You've got a church that will back you up in those situations. When you fall and you stumble, God dang, I will run over there and pick you up. And I'll beg you, I'll drag you back in here. Don't make me drag you back in here. 